This is Unqualified Parenting. If you're looking for tips on parenting, relationships, self-care, or just need someone to relate to, you've come to the right place. We may be unqualified, but our info is anything but. It's a show full of parenting failures, parenting wins, and some amazing guests. I'm Jen, a full-time bio mom and part-time stepmom. And I'm Cody, a dad who recently remarried and has full custody of his daughter. And we're here to bring you our unique perspectives from our two very different blended families. Hello, Jen. Hello, Cody. Wow. Well, you getting fancy right there. Jeez. What's new? Oh, you know, just living the dream. Yeah. Working working my life away, you know. Yeah, we all are, you know. We did plan a trip to Lake Tahoe coming up in a couple months, though. Damn, so, that's dope. With some of my husband's friends and no kids, so. That'd be awesome. Yep, that'll be nice. We uh we also planned a trip. Nice. Mm-hmm. Surprised Aubrey for Valentine's Day. We're going to New York for a week in April. That'll be fun. So That's coming with, up. So we're going with Mikkel's family. Nice. We're just going to spend a week and just chill. We've got a cool hotel spot that's like right off Times Square, right off Central Park, like right nice. in the hood. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. We haven't been on a family vacation like three, four, three years, three or four years. Oh, yeah, you got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to do it. So that's good. That's exciting. Yeah. Like, I think people need to get out and travel again. Yeah, I think we're going to do every other year family vacation and like our vacation. So like last year we did a big family vacation. So this year we're doing just me and my husband. And then next year we'll be doing a big family vacation. And then the next year just me and my husband. I I mean, we'll still like go on little trips like camping or maybe like close by places but like flying somewhere where i think we're gonna do every other that's smart it's expensive it's very expensive and we need a break sometimes you know gotta break all the time all the time (laughs) i need a break every day i need a break every day i'm like today's the day that i quit my job and just do nothing for a couple months and then the next day i'm like why didn't I do that yesterday? I should do it today. And then I go into work like a sucker and I sit down <laughs> and I do my job. And then I ask myself at night, like, why didn't I quit today? It would have been so easy. I would have just had to pack up some Legos and Ninja Turtles that are on my desk. Because I'm an adult. That's what adults have on their desks. That's right. Legos and Ninja Turtles. Well, Jen, I thought we could get into some important stuff today as uh as you're joining me in the raising a teenager experience and you are also raising a future teenager yep i thought this would be a great um a great topic to discuss on here so i wanted to discuss life skills we've discussed having your children do chores but that's different from life skills, right? Yeah, like totally. Like anybody can learn how to like vacuum. Anyone can learn how to do the dishes, but those aren't life skills. Life skills are very important. So, Jen, what would you define life skills as? 
probably being able to socialize. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say if I was to define it based on the definition I wrote down from, (laughs) (laughs) from somewhere else, um, I would say life skills are abilities that help us be successful and adapt to different situations, right? They're related to social, emotional learning, and it's important for children to learn in order to be successful in the real world. Now, there are benefits of teaching your children life skills. Some of these benefits are it helps children develop their problem-solving and communication skills, as well as build confidence and self-esteem. It can also help children manage their emotions, build relationships, and make positive decisions, which are all incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah. How many times have you thought to yourself, man, is my child making friends in preschool? Yeah, or why does she keep hanging out with the same girl that she complains about all the time? Yeah, or hey, if she's riding her bike home from school and she gets a flat tire, can she figure it out? Yeah. Do they have the life skills to either problem solve and fix it? Like what if the bike chain falls off the sprocket, right? Mm-hmm. A little gear in the back. Do they have the ability to figure it out and get it back? And if not, do they have the communication skills to find an adult to get help? And are they confident enough to approach an adult in that situation and ask for help while managing their emotions so that they don't cry, so that they don't get overly worked up, and that they can make these decisions to help them solve their problems? Mm -hmm. Incredibly important. There have been many times where I've thought to myself, man, why can't they just put it together? And then I think back, oh my God, it's because I didn't teach them that. That's why. <laughs> How are they supposed to know that if I'm not teaching them? That's so stupid. Yeah. So what are some good examples of life skills? What would you say? Mm. I'm going to eat a red gummy bear while you're thinking to be a good team member, like at work, like be able to cooperate with others to get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I would say communication, problem mm-hmm. solving, time management is so important, especially with kids going to school, how yeah. to manage your time effectively. So you're not spending every night doing homework. And then another one that's really important is money management. Mm. and responsibility. So I want to touch on a few of these. I'll walk through why it's important to touch on these life skills and things that you can do to help reinforce these within your children. So the first one I, I want to touch on is responsibility. Why would you say responsibility is important to teaching our kids? Because you can't manage your household or your life or your family or your job without a sense of responsibility. can't do anything. Right. And you can't be trusted unless you can show yourself to be responsible. And how much of our life is just being trusted? Yeah. It's everything, right? That's a whole Mm -hmm. fucking credit score system. It's just about being trusted. Having a job and getting a promotion is about being trusted with those responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. So teaching children responsibility, it's, it's important for their development. It's important for their success. And we can do this by 
providing children with age-appropriate tasks and allowing them to make mistakes. As a parent, it, it's really hard watching your children fail and watching them fail over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so much value in that. And uh, an example from my life, um, as most of our listeners know and new listeners will find out, I'm an amputee. I was born without a, a, a femur in my left leg, so I have a tib-fib, but it's like my foot's been it. Anyways, it's a whole situation. It's a bunch of shit there. But So I've worn a prosthetic since the age of like one or two. I've been on a prosthetic leg. So far enough back that my prosthetic legs when I was a kid were made of made out of wood, which makes me sound so fucking old that I have a wooden <laughs> leg. Um, but... I was always told as a kid, he's never going to run. He's never going to ride a bike. He's never going to be active. Like, just be ready for that. So growing up, I just rode a bike with training wheels, right? Mm -hmm. And I came home from school one day. I was probably in the first grade. And I saw that my little brother, who's three years younger, had his training wheels taken off that day. Mm. And I went, oh, fuck you. Nope. (laughs) Not today, asshole. Nope. And I told my parents, I said, you're taking them. I mean, I didn't swear, but I said, you're taking the, the training wheels off my bike and I'm figuring it out. And my parents said, I spent the entire night after school going up and down the driveway until I figured that shit out. Good job. Right. And so it was really, really interesting that this, this like, almost like a, like, a chance for failure, the ability as parents to stay inside and watch through the windows as your child with a disability is struggling and failing, but learning and making those connections over and over again helped reinforce in myself. We figure shit out. We make no excuses and we just get it done. Yeah. And they, they could have easily said, we're keeping your training wheels on. It's not safe. And that would have, so set you back it would have been so detrimental exactly and and as we're teaching responsibility it's it's very important to set very clear expectations consistent rules as well as rewards for completing tasks in our household you get paid for your grades it is it is stupid to me that our government doesn't pay children to go to school and do well in school what a tiny investment in our children and what an amazing return of investment that would be to pay children for school so aubrey gets paid ten dollars for each a five dollars for every b and c nothing for a d and she owes us ten dollars for every f Hmm. but we've set these expectations and these very clear rules so she knows exactly what to look forward to and exactly what's you know being required of her Mm -hmm. part of that is accountability making sure that children are held accountable for their actions and taught to take responsibility for their mistakes it's very easy for little kids especially under the age of five to put blame somewhere else right they'll blame Mm -hmm. something dumb right i did it because blues clues wasn't on (laughs) it doesn't make sense i did it because my mom forgot my raisins in my lunch today so I thought it was okay to punch Jeremy in school. Right. So we need to make sure that children are held responsible for their mistakes. They're not allowed to put blame in places where it's not there. 
And once we let our children know that when they take responsibility and they're honest and upfront, they don't get in as much trouble. Like it's easier said than done because we've tried to model that in our home is that the honesty and the accountability and being straightforward is rewarded by not being punished the same way you would if you lied or withheld or didn't take Mm -hmm. accountability, if that makes sense. And then finally, in teaching responsibility, parents need to model the responsibility by setting a good example and showing children how to complete tasks and how to get things done. And this can be started, I mean, you can start this really early with children very young by sitting them down on the weekends, right? It's Saturday. All right, let's sit down with mom. Let's sit down with dad. And let's make a list of everything we have to do today. And you're going to help me cross everything off my list. And we're going to make sure everything's done. Once everything's done, we're going to reward ourselves by doing the thing we want to do. That's something we've been working with, Aubrey, is we do what we have to do. And that gets rewarded by what we want to do. Very simple. But mm-hmm. so that's teaching responsibility. So I think that's really important. Um, making sure that we're modeling it, we're setting a good example, we're setting clear rules, clear boundaries. So that's responsibility. My second one is time management. Mm-hmm. Why would you say time management is important for children? Oh my gosh. I <laughs> <laughs> my my four year old lately, she does not do anything with any hustle at all like she takes forever to do anything and you're gonna be late to everything or you're not gonna get stuff done in time and we've had to start setting timers at dinner and telling her you have 10 minutes to eat (laughs) and she asks what happens if i'm not done then your food gets taken away that's that's it just keep going get get moving yeah we had a tantrum tonight because I gave her five minutes to put on her pajamas and she'd taken off two socks in that time. <laughs> so I threw away one of her toys and it was like the end of the world. Oh my gosh. So yeah, time management is very important. Yeah, I would I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I remember, I, I feel like there's a phase every child goes through that no one talks about. No one talks about the hurry up stage. Oh my God. And the hurry up stage is this, it's counterintuitive because it, it sounds like things get done fast, but no, you just keep saying, hurry up, hurry up. We got to go. Hurry up. You're going to be late. Hurry up. Brush your teeth. Hurry up. Eat for God's sake. Just yeah. hurry up. Eat your food. It's a hurry up phase. Yeah, and, and it, it's awful when I and it. it. And, it ha- and it's inconsistent on when it happens with every child, right? They might hit 17 years old and all of a sudden everything <laughs> drags and you don't know why. But teaching time management is so important for development and success. Um, and we can teach this time management by setting expectations. And an easy way to do this is a family calendar. We have a family calendar on our board. It hasn't been updated since September of last year. (laughs) So I have updated the year to 2023, and we are now planning ahead by a long shot. (laughs) But a family calendar allows, allows children, especially when put on the fridge and put at eye level for them, 
allows them to see what's coming up. They can see when they're going to school or preschool or daycare or when grandma's coming over or when they're going to have that play date. Even put things in there such as breakfast and lunch and snack and dinner and bath time and bedtime story like put all all that stuff in the calendar and let kids look and cross things off as the day goes it teaches them everything about time how long things take it teaches them about reminders and routine and it incentivizes our children to stay on task and meet deadlines it's so important Mm mm-hmm Another thing we should do is we should also encourage our children to break tests down into manageable chunks. I've noticed something with, I'd I'd say with Aubrey's generation, with Lily's generation, is I, I couldn't understand why it was happening, but it was like when asked to try, when asked to solve a problem, it's like there's this brick wall in front of them. And it's like they can't break down the parts of the problem to see any type of solution. Hmm. And it becomes so hard. So like an example of this is, I want to say Aubrey was like eight. And she was kind of throwing a tantrum and she slammed a door and knocked a picture frame off of a shelf. And the back came out. Hmm. And I said, you need to figure out how to fix it. Which to anyone who's put a picture in a picture frame, you just twist the little things out. They just clip the back in place. You're done. Mm-hmm. Super easy, right? Yeah. It's like the most basic thing ever. Took her three hours. <laughs> right? Because there was this wall. There was this wall preventing her from troubleshooting. And it, it was it was some Reddit post I was reading and someone pointed out something very, very important. And it said, the people in our generation, the people in their mid-30s to mid-40s, we were the generation that grew up as technology was evolving. We troubleshot everything. If we wanted yeah. the internet to work, we had to figure out who the fuck was on the phone. And we had to get them to hang up. We had to figure <laughs> out why the floppy disk wasn't reading. We had to figure out why the video input wasn't correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Electronics, as we were growing up, we're all just fucking beta testers. We didn't know how that shit worked. And we had to, fi- especially video games. Yeah. We had to troubleshoot everything to get everything to work. Their generation and every generation after, everything just works. Yeah. They came into iPhones that just work. They came into iPads that just work, MacBooks that just work, Chromebooks that cost, I mean, I mean, less than a month's worth of coffee. Like, they just came into things that just work, and when they stop working, you just move them on. You just Yeah, you just buy a new one. Exactly. And so it's, it's, trying, to, it's trying to get yourself into the mindset to understand that we have to teach them how to break things down into tasks, break things down into manageable tasks. Uh, chunks and to think about how much time they need to complete tasks so if you've got chores on the weekend how long do you think it'll take you to vacuum your room all right let's write that down let's see how long it takes and try to try to meet that time or do better than that time this teaches them how to i i guess i guess it models for them time management by setting an example and showing them how to stay organized and and how to stay on schedule Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. My, my third one, I've only got four. Okay. This is my third one. This one is super quick cause it's, it says everything it needs to say. And that's just communication. Mm-hmm. It's important for their development success. And we can teach this by modeling effective communication by providing children with 
opportunities for practice. Um, and this can be done by, by using assertive language, positive language, as well as teaching them about verbal and nonverbal cues. Um, it was really important for us to teach Aubrey how to listen carefully and learn to communicate ideas, feelings, and especially with adults in the way that adults can understand. Um, if our children can't communicate to us how they feel emotionally, mentally, physically, we can't be there to support them. Well, and, and they're going to get frustrated. Exactly. Um, my my sister and brother-in-law, they, they taught all of their children from birth sign language. And it helped them bridge this gap between language development and birth to being able to communicate in a way that children can communicate with their hands and with their feelings. And I thought it was so cool to be able to go over to their house and communicate with, you know, their their child who's not even a toddler yet, mm-hmm. communicate what they want to eat, if they want more, if they're done, if they're tired, right? If they, it, mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. Um, and, and I feel like it helped them develop better as children because they had that open communication before they could even verbally communicate. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, ways that we can provide an environment um, of communication, support, and feedback is to always incentivize on uh, incentivize honesty and um, being fully transparent. There are going to be times when you need to ask your children questions about their personal safety, and if they're worried about getting in trouble for being honest, you're never going to get honesty from them. Mm-hmm. And this is something I struggle with as a parent is trying to get that honesty out and trying to manage the difference between being a strict parent and allowing, I guess, fluid and fluid communication. And as I'm talking, it's like piecing together in my brain. But it's it's hard to toe that line as a parent on when we need to be strict and when we need to set boundaries and when we need to allow freedom of communication without punishment. Yeah, I think, I mean, even if we're mad at our kids or disappointed, we can still always be empathetic. And I don't think that that's showing weakness. Like, for example, tonight when I threw away my daughter's toy, she was very upset. She tried to chase me down through the house, (laughs) screaming at me. She's got a knife. So I ran outside to throw it in the outside garbage because otherwise she would have just pulled it out of the trash. Did you like alley-oop it and yell Kobe? (laughs) (laughs) Slam dunk that shit. So I came back in and she was sobbing, of course, and said, that toy was really special to me. Keep in mind, this is a McDonald's toy she got about three months ago. It is not. (laughs) It's special because it's relevant right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, she was like sobbing and she said, you make me so sad. And I gave her a hug and I said, I'm so sorry that you're sad about the toy. But I had to throw it away because I, t- I warned you that was going to happen. But yeah. I'm sorry you're so sad. So I still gave her a hug and comforted her. But I didn't go pull it out of the garbage. I still told her that's gone now. Like that's what happened in the end. That's life. Sucka. <laughs> life is hard sometimes. And it yeah. sucks because as a parent, sometimes you have to, you have to play that heavy hand. Yeah, it's and, hard. and you have to set that boundary so hard. 
mm-hmm. that you have to throw away this McDonald's Happy Meal toy. <laughs> you know, you have to get rid of that, I don't know, 20 cents worth of plastic. Yeah. You got to get rid of it because it's causing the issue. And if it's causing the issue, it's got to go. And sometimes you have to you have to draw your line in the sand. Yep. So what happens with this is this causes problems, right? Mm -hmm. This causes problems for our children and problems for us. So this brings me to our fourth, our fourth thing that I think we should teach, and that's problem solving. Um, We can teach this by encouraging encouraging our children to think of multiple solutions and helping them distinguish between right and wrong and good and bad solutions to, to situations. So her toy got thrown away. How are you going to fix this? As, as, a, as a Finley, as you, what do you think you can do to fix this going forward? I'd probably try to negotiate a way to earn the toy back. Right. Okay. So that's a good option. What's another way that you think that you can solve this problem? Getting your fucking pajamas on in time. <laughs> All right. So that's a good one. All right. So so we can we can guide our children through this process of analyzing their problems and analyzing their possible solutions. So negotiating is a great solution, especially for a smart kid like Finley, right? Because why shouldn't negotiation be off the table? Negotiation should totally be on the table because yeah. that solves problem three, communication. Yeah. Negotiation is just communication, isn't it? Yeah. That's fantastic. So negotiation is one. Getting your shit figured out and putting on your goddamn pajamas when you're told is another solution that requires no frustration from her. But if you want to pick the solution where we argue about it and we discuss it, that's fine. I'll go down that solution with you. Mm-hmm. You might not end up with what you want, but I'll go down it with you. Mm-hmm. And then I'll show you why you should have done the other solution. We'll go down that one and I'll show you how that one's successful. But if we're teaching this, we have to always end with our children getting some type of success. Success is how we learn. Success is how we reinforce these things, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the success that Finley's going to experience from this? Well, I hope tomorrow she puts her pajamas on before the timer goes off and then nothing gets thrown <laughs> away. And we learn if we hurry up that we won't be sad. <laughs> what's what's next for the garbage can? What's what's going in next? Uh probably candy. Yeah. Yeah, candy's a good go to. See, with candy, for me as a parent, I'd feel really bad throwing it away. I'd have to eat it in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh my gosh, this is so good. You like sour stuff? This is so sour I can almost not even eat it. Right? All right. So I, I have a good book that kind of goes along these lines that I'm actually okay. getting my daughter for her birthday. It's called, um, and Benjamin, her BFF, um, he has this book and it's helped him a lot and he loves this book. He's he's also four years old and it's called What Should Danny Do? Do you remember as a teenager getting those choose your own adventure books? I and it's them. like I know, right? I freaking right? loved them. There was one with like a UFO in a cornfield. Man, I must have found every ending. <laughs> so this is one of those, but for four-year-olds. So you're reading it along and it's like, uh, dad made pancakes and you wanted your blue monkey plate, but your brother is already eating pancakes on that blue monkey plate. Should you 
eat your pancakes, go to page five, or should you throw a fit until you get the blue monkey plate, go to page 17. And it like gives you a choice between what you should do on each of these situations. And like when he first did the book, he picked all of the right answers, all of the good things, but then he got curious, like, well, what would happen if I throw through a fit? So it teaches them this is what other the consequence. Yeah, exactly. Without them actually having to do Dad it. Dad went out for a pack of smokes and a gallon of milk and didn't come back for 15 <laughs> Never years. Came back again. <laughs> do you do a shooting? Oh, that got dark. That got really dark. <laughs> All right. I have some tips. So I wanted to go through five tips for each of these things for teaching them. Um, and then and then we can kind of wrap up and do our good, better, best. Does that sound all right? All right. For responsibility, these are my tips. One, provide children with age-appropriate tasks and allow them to make mistakes and fail. Failure is an important learning or learning tool. It's part of the process. You have to fail to learn. If you're always Mm -hmm. having success, you never learn your, your limitations. You never learn yeah it's yeah anyways or how to deal with failure right like like if you've never failed and then you fail all of a sudden it sucks like i'm the worst Mm -hmm. but if you're someone like me and you fail daily you're just like (laughs) fucking tuesday (laughs) um tip number two for teaching responsibility set clear expectations and consistent rules It's the consistency. It's a cumulative effect. This is what I've been working with, Aubrey. It's not about getting the rules correct every day. It's not about getting our homework correct every day. It's about a cumulative effect of trying to get there. It adds up Mm -hmm. like a snowstorm. It's not every snowflake landing in the exact same spot. It's a slow accumulation that, yeah, Mm -hmm. kills cities in the winter. All right, number three. For teaching responsibility, provide rewards for completing tasks. Responsibility and reward. In real life as adults, the more responsibility we take at our job, presumably the more we're paid. Right? Responsibility, reward. Four, hold children accountable for their actions and teach them to take responsibility for their mistakes. Taking responsibility means punishment should be lessened. Just like in real life, if we commit a crime, say we're speeding in a in a residential zone and we go in front of the judge and we say, Judge, you're correct. I'm sorry. I was doing 30 in a 25. I broke the law. You're absolutely correct. There's a good chance the judge is going to say, you know what? I don't see anything in your past. I'm going to let this go. Mm-hmm. Last tip for teaching responsibility. Model responsibility by setting a good example and showing your children how to complete tasks. Mm-hmm. Seeing mom or dad finish things, get things done, knock things off of their list. It creates this environment of wanting to get shit done. How many of us as adults have been in jobs where someone new comes in and it reignites everyone's passion? Everyone's mm-hmm. getting shit done because they're getting shit done. Yeah. Right? And it just, it, just, it just happens. All right. So those are my five tips for responsibility. All right. Five tips for teaching time management. Number one is the family calendar. Put everything on the family calendar, and if you can, break it down by by meals. Children understand their day by meals, right? Breakfast is the mm-hmm. first part of the day. Lunch is the middle part. Dinner is the last part. If you break things down by meals, children can pick up that, that routine. 
And so tip number two is providing reminders and creating routine. Um, as you have a kid and as you read these books, like what to expect when you're expecting, a big thing they say about teaching sleeping and teaching these things is routine, right? Mm-hmm. Give your baby the bath, right? Rub them down with lotion, put them in their diaper, get them in their PJs, rock them, give them their bottle, put them to bed, do the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to train. All right. Number three, use incentives to encourage children to stay on task and meet deadlines. All right, if you all can get your chores done by noon, I'll give everyone a dollar and we can go to the store and you can get a candy. But if your chores aren't done by three, no one gets anything. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're, you're giving them incentive, incentives to encourage them to stay on task and meet deadlines. All right, number four, encourage children to break tasks down into manageable chunks. If your child's task is dishes, right, and you have a dishwasher, the tasks are easy to break down. You're going to unload the top rack first, which is typically cups. Then you're going to lo- unload the bottom rack. Then you're going to do silver. Then you're going to load it in the same fashion. Breaking it down helps little kids to understand what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Then my last tip for teaching time management is to model time management by setting an example and showing children how to stay organized. Something I did with Aubrey when she was really little, when I'd get her for the summer, is I would break down our entire day in the morning. Mm-hmm. This is where we're going. We have to do this. We have to do this. When we're at this store, we can look at toys, but we can't buy one. But when we're at the gas station putting gas in the car, you can get a soda or a candy, right? We break down the entire day. And then as we knock stuff off, I would say, all right, next on our list is getting gas at the gas station and that's when you get your candy never once did she throw a fit because we were at the store and she couldn't get a toy she knew mm-hmm. before we ever even got in the car that, that wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. but if she was good she'd get a candy so model that by setting the example and showing your children how to stay organized all right we're halfway through the tips all right five tips for teaching communication number one model it with all of these one of the biggest tips is just modeling it. Model the communication. Give mm-hmm. your children opportunities to practice, right? If you're at the store and they want to say hi to someone, let them say hi. Let them communicate with an adult. Even if that experience goes negatively, they've learned to communicate. They've learned to read body cues. Why did that guy not want to talk to me? Well, if you look at the way he was standing, when you talked to him, he didn't turn to you. So when mm-hmm. he didn't turn to you, it meant he wasn't it, Right. All of this stuff can be us teaching them, and we have to teach them. Um, number two, encourage children to be assertive and use positive language. By being assertive and stating how they feel and what they need, but doing it in a positive way, it makes their entire life easier dealing with teachers, dealing with bosses later on, dealing with babysitters, dealing with other people that need to work with them, dealing with doctors. Um, I kind of touched on it, but teach children about verbal and nonverbal cues. Um I, I believe you and I have been at quite a few gatherings together where there are children that haven't been taught personal space, haven't mm-hmm. been taught how to read, right, adult body cues, how to read verbal cues, nonverbal cues, and they're all over people and they're obnoxious. Yeah. And 15 minutes in, every adult's trying to trip them or slap them. So they <laughs> like, right? Like, oh no, you trip, yeah. better go inside. Like, fuck. go away. <laughs> Right. Teach your children about verbal and nonverbal cues. It's very important. Um, Tip number four, 
encourage children to listen carefully and learn how to communicate their ideas and feelings. A lot of children feel the need to interject immediately when they have a thought right then, right now. But if you've ever spoken to your children and then stopped halfway through and say, what did I just say? Uh, I think something laundry. Not at all. Nope. I was talking about baseball practice. All right. Right. So we need to teach them how to listen, what to listen to and how to, how to communicate their feelings and ideas. And then lastly, just create an environment of open communication, provide support and feedback to children, give them as many opportunities as they can to communicate. So those are my tips for communication. So five tips left and then we're done. So five tips for problem solving. Can I guess one of them? Do it. Is it modeling? That's so good. Wow. How did you know modeling was going to be one of the tips? (laughs) So tip number one. Teach children problem solving by modeling problem solving. Nailed it. Right? Monkey see, monkey do. That's the way it works. Um, Encourage children to think of multiple solutions and help them figure out what the right solution is and what the wrong solution is. A lot of times in life, figuring out the wrong solution is more important than figuring out the right solution. Mm -hmm. Right? If I'm in the emergency room and I've got a broken leg... Wrong solution is to euthanize me. (laughs) We're way ahead of the game now. Okay? Right? right. So let's distinguish between right and wrong solutions. Two or three, teach children how to identify and analyze problems. Being able to work a problem backwards is very important, and it's something that they use later in life, in math, and in school. Teach them how to analyze their problem um, to get to that solution. And then... Teach them perspective. I think perspective is very important in problem solving. Being able to put yourself in a position you aren't normally in to see something from a different point of view can help you solve something that you've been working on for a long time. How often have you slept on it? Mm -hmm. Right? I'm just going to sleep on it. I'll come up with a solution in the morning. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, God damn, yes, that's so easy. Mm -hmm. Right? So... Let's teach them how to get to those different perspectives. For a lot of adults, it's sleeping on it. For some people, it's getting out of an environment, changing your environment. Let's teach them how to do that. So Mm -hmm. those are my four four spots of teaching children life skills, responsibility, time management, communication, and problem solving. So we've gone over those. We've gone over five tips for each. This should help someone somewhere. I've got a bunch of resources I'm going to put in the show notes of books that you can read to, to kind of take you through the stuff that I touched on, um, like Building Life Skills, A Practical Guide for Parents and Teachers by Joan Goodman, The Whole Brain Child, 12 Revolutionary Strategies to Your Child's Development Mind or Developing Mind by Daniel Siegel. And there's there's about, I don't know, about 10 of them that I'll put in there. I but, think so, I've read The Whole Brain Child which it's literally on the top 10 list of like the top 10 books to read as a parent. Mm. But so, yeah, so there you go. I would love to hear feedback from parents on some of these, how they've worked, how they haven't worked. And maybe we can answer some emails and maybe guide parents towards solutions that they didn't know, or maybe even you and I learned something that we didn't know. 
Yeah, so, all of these are so important, and they're not going to learn at school a lot of these things. So it's up yep. to us. It's up to us to do it. That's correct. Well, Jen, did you have a good, better, what's next? Good, best, what's worst? Good, worst. To, God damn it. Best, worst, do, what's next? Nailed it. First try. <laughs> um, my we'll start with the worst is arguing constantly about hurry up oh my gosh just buckle your car seat please just buckle get buckled we need to go and just arguing for days and days before i come up with my <laughs> method of ha just setting a fucking timer yeah and if the timer runs out you think well if the timer runs out on her getting buckled and she's not buckled you just buckle for them at that point, you just fucking do it. She's not in her pajamas. Guess who got her in her pajamas? I did. I changed her clothes. Even though she can do it, and you might think, this is going to teach her to be lazy because then she'll just wait for the timer to run out and for you to do it. No, she's a little misindependent. She wants to do it herself. Not, not only that, but I guarantee you're doing it the way I would, where you lay them down on the bed and you grab their <laughs> yeah. leg and you shove a leg in a pants, you put it on, you make yeah. it so it's not fun and it's just business. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's, yeah, setting a fun? timer is my best. And what next is I'm just going to keep setting timers for everything and having hard consequences like throwing stuff away until she understands that we cannot take she so she had eaten half of a sandwich in two hours this weekend Jeez. and i let her watch a movie while i ate while she ate which we usually don't do but still half a sandwich during the whole movie and that's it it was ridiculous yeah yeah you kind of like the, the there has got to be some some time limits. There has got to be something that you've got to be held to. I remember as a kid that I uh, I skied a lot when I was a little kid. I was almost Paralympic, um, but I was really little. I was like 12, 13, but I was like this, like, I don't know. I was really fast. But the way it would work when I'd go to like ski practice because I'd ski all the time is I would literally be dropped off by my parents at the ski resort and then I'd spend 12 hours skiing with a ski team as a little kid, as like a seven, eight-year-old kid. And it's just um. me and all these adults, right? So I had to like, it's funny. I don't know why I remember this one instance so well. But I remember I had to learn to watch the adults, right? Because I was the kid. Everyone else was over like the age of like 30. And I was like eight. So I had to watch the adults and watch their body language as they finished eating and as they started getting ready to know how much time I had left to eat. <laughs> and I remember as a kid, I was sitting there and I always got a three musketeers bar because I love three musketeers bar. And I remember eating and I saw, I saw the guy I was with. I don't even remember his name. I remember he was from Australia, but he got up and put on his coat and I thought we were leaving. So I like scarfed a bowl of chili in the entire Three Musketeers bar in like two minutes. But he was just getting up because he wanted to go get his skis and like move them. But because I was, it was so ingrained as me as a little kid to like watch them, watch when they're done. So I'm done. I like panicked as a little kid and like scarfed all this food and felt so sick for so long. 
<laughs> that's pretty smart though for a little kid to pick up on those clues oh i didn't Cues. i didn't want to be left behind and i did get i did get lost once oh no yeah i got lost i uh i took like a turn that doesn't go anywhere it just like <laughs> ended at a at like yeah it just ended it was just trees not trees <laughs> you can ski through it's like if anyone's been to park city it's like the trees aren't trees they're like shrubs yeah and i was just stuck there and there's no chairlift there's no way to get up i'm on one leg i had to wait for like ski patrol like oh no like, come search the resort to f- anyways anyways. <laughs> anyways all right so my my worst best what's next mm-hmm. um worst is probably gonna have to be work right now we're going through a lot of stuff a lot of changes um a lot of new things a lot of a lot of drama, a lot of stuff that's come up in the past little bit with work that's just made it really hard. And it's mm. having an effect at home, which really sucks. That does suck. You know, it really sucks. Um, the what's next is things are going pretty good with Aubrey in school, and we're just going to keep moving on. Um, we've got our trip to New York coming up in April, which is going to be a lot of fun. She's going to have a nice long break because it'll be spring break. And then the next week we go to New York for a week. Wow. So she's getting a nice two week break. Yeah. So, so that's our, that's our what next or what's next is finally having a, a family, a family vacation. Cause our last family vacation was when we went to Disneyland and that was what, like four years ago. Wow. If not more than that. Yeah, that's a long time. You definitely yeah. need one. Yeah. Ugh, it's been way too long. Yeah. Well, folks, um, I think that does it for the episode today. In this episode, we talked about the importance of teaching life skills to children. We went over some tips for doing it effectively. We hope this was helpful and that you now have some tools to help you and help your children develop these skills. Um, I'd love to hear from you if you have stories of how you've done this or ways that you've failed you can email us at hello unqualifiedparenting.com send us in all of your ideas corrections tips you can follow us on social media at unqualified parenting and i think that does it yep you've survived another fortnight of parenting and may the sleep be with you oh my god we did this last time jen (laughs) you like it oh i did both (laughs) You can't do both. You have to do one. (laughs) Which one is it going to be? It can't be both. May the sleep be with you. Okay. It's all right. All right. Bye, folks. Bye. Unqualified Parenting is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Jennifer Jones and Cody Reese. With special thanks to our families and listeners for making each episode possible.